Welcome to episode 632 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 632 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? I'm bloody brilliant, man. Do you know why? Why is that? Because you knocked on my door and you scared the crap out of me. You, got you didn't that. even knock on my door. You rang my bell. I did. Why is there ring your bell? Ring my bell. I was, I was going out to the car because I left my phone in the car. Oh, no. And it was just perfect timing because I went to go open the door and then you rang the bell and my undies. God. I had to go change my undies, didn't I? You did indeed. <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, Galactic Buffer, and our patrons. And if you jump Michael Built to Last Collins. Do you know what that's based on? Do you, do you have any understanding of where that comes from? Can't remember. Michael Collins is a very. He's from Texas. Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, this this Michael Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, Michael Collins is a very famous business author, and he wrote a great book called. Um, Good to last. Great. Good to great. That was his first book, and, and most people who are in business will know that book. And then the second book he wrote was Built to Last. Oh. And it's actually a really good book because what he does is he looks at businesses that have excelled, and he has some criteria for excelling for over 15 years. So not just in a short period of time. And then he kind of goes, What have they done? So there you go. Check that out. Michael uh, Little J Swan. No. Oh, Christopher. Where did I get Michael? Oh, I went down. Christopher, little J Swan. And Ben Popeye Moore. Give me some more. Okay, guys. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got discussion of the week. It's a bit of a classic show here. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a great statistic, and that's the Thorsten. We've got High Five. We've got Wang. What are we doing? I thought we gave up on Wang on Oh, uh, we'll carry on. Oh, you're, you're, it's back in there, is it? Back in, yeah. You've given up on it last week? I had. Jeez, you're indecisive. Uh, then we had questions and answers at the end. Jombo. There was one thing that happened on the weekend in triathlon world, and it's the only thing that really mattered. It was a 70.3 championships, and we've kind of been talking over this last period of time is when does it become a pinnacle event? And I think in some ways this year may have been, you know, it's kind of first period was a bit, you know, you know, nothing against the first champions. Yep. Second period, you know, we had some good races in that, but wow. Pretty good racing this weekend. Yeah, when you have the three... Fastest of all time. <laughs> no, three of this current era, three top guys who have not been head-to-head for a long time. Mano, going head-to-head and then delivering. And, you know, I sort of said last week, one of them probably would crap out. You know, that's often the case when you've got three or four, but they all uh, delivered pretty pretty well. And it was a bloody good race on the men's side. And the women's side, we were expecting a bit of a yawn fest with Daniela Reef going out there and uh, crushing it. While she still won, uh, it was not as dominant as we expected. And some of the other girls really lifted their games. So, so tell me about that, because I, I, I was Saturday night and we had a function, so I didn't get to see um, young Sam Walls, who's a patron of the show, and he was at the function. He had it on his phone, but it was kind <laughs> of, I was kind of a host of the function, so I couldn't really get a chance to watch the race. So um, just give me a bit of an update on the race. Tell me about it. So um, I didn't watch the, the whole of the females race. Uh, interesting to watch the, the viewership on both the males and the females. It was almost double for the males. You know, the, oh, really? it, was, it was ranging... 
I don't know, anywhere between sort of seven and I think it peaked up to about 14,000 yep. um, for the females race and the men's race peaked at about 30,000 people watching. Um, but as it turned out, you know, no surprises, Lucy Charles led out of the swim with the 2301. You got by um, not by as much. Yeah, not by quite as much as you maybe expect. She only had about a minute or so and potentially could have had more than that. It was really, really cool to see just a little wave coming in uh, at the end of the swim and a couple of the, the females managed to, to jump on that wave. Um, Good old surf try. Yeah, no, you love that sort of stuff. Uh, so, and then, as expected, Daniela Reef uh, rode out of the group and rode up to Lucy Charles, passed her, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, she might hang with her for a bit, but uh, she hung with her the whole way. And Lucy Charles did. Lucy Charles did. Wow. So very, very impressive riding. Uh, and so they came off the bike more or less together. Daniela Reef got out uh, out of transition a bit quicker and then went on to, to win the race. Lucy Charles looked great when she was running. You know, a few more le- years in uh, running running years and when she's got a bit more strength in the legs, she is going to be a weapon. Not that she's a, a, not a weapon already, but she's pr- still pretty new to this game. Uh, she looked light on her feet. She looked, you know, just nice and spring. Uh, so I think she uh, has got some plenty more improvement. She's in the only bank. 24. Mm. I mean, her athletic age, aerobically, she's probably very developed because she is a swimmer, a swimmer kid. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that run, I that think impact. she's got a lot of capacity to uh, to probably improve that quite a bit. And let's be honest, she was kind of close to, other than Daniela and Anne Haig, she was kind of close to where everyone else ran. So, oh, yeah. you know, she's not too bad, is she? Still running 120. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Off a... You know, what was a very, very hard bike, you know, Daniela Reef said post-race, you know, she was smoked coming off the bike. She pushed as hard as she could. Uh, and, you know, they put a lot of time into the, the rest of the athletes. They're putting sort of around about, well, she put about eight to nine minutes into into the females' field. Uh, and Lucy Charles, you know, likewise put sort of six or seven minutes in. So uh, in terms of splits for Daniela Reef, she swam 24-25. She rode a 2-15-27. Sounded like there was some wind out there, but they had, other than that, uh, pretty good conditions. And then a 1-16-59 for a total time of 4.01.13. Uh, she was... Couple of minutes in front of probably about three three minutes in front of Lucy Charles, who came home in four oh four, and Anne Haug in a four oh seven. Uh, so interesting things for me were Anne Haug did run a sensational run split as we kind of expected she would. Uh, she ran a one fifteen eleven, but you got to say Daniela Reef ran a one sixteen fifty nine. So still <laughs> impressive. Well, considering what she's saying about the bike. Mm. You know, saying she was kind of rooted off the bike. Well, if that's the case, and then you still go do that run. Mm. Wow. Uh, so very, very impressive. In terms of the, the, the course accuracy, um, I did put something on Facebook yesterday. Uh I had one athlete racing over there who got 21.1 kilometres, but then when I, good. When, when, I did, yeah, when I did then look at his split, there was a differential between the times, so it looked like the run course was maybe about 300 metres or so short, but somewhere, somewhere between 200 and 300 metres, so... Um, I'm going to give that a pass mark. Yeah. It's not bang on, but it, they, they did run 21.1. It's just the splits uh, that where they took the split from meant that their, their run time oh, was a bit okay, shorter. Oh, so the split was actually, they'd started running and then they took a split a couple hundred metres later. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, I think it was a long transition. So, okay. you know, looking at those splits, you'd say still Ann Haug is running, say, call it a 116. That <laughs> is moving. Wow, we'll uh, look at the men's run. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of other notable mentions on the female side. Uh, Jenny uh, Seymour was the f- first South African home in uh, seventh place, a very good race by her. Um, overall, just 
not quite what you expected. You kind of expected probably that order of finish or um, close to that order of finish in terms of the top three, but uh, it was awesome to see Daniela Reef being pushed, and I think she gained so much more satisfaction out of that win, knowing that she had to really fight for it rather than it just being a you know a dominant display. So she looked pretty thrilled. If you didn't see the coverage, um, she also had a, a wardrobe malfunction, as she called it. I saw it. that. Uh, coming so, finishing shoot. Well, no, the whole way through the bike ride uh, oh. and the run. So her her zipper. To broke uh, on her one piece and so she had to do the entire bike ride and the entire run with her uh, top flapping open just her sort of sports bra showing yeah. um, which looked like it was bloody annoying and and it would have been I mean aerodynamically would have slowed her down on the bike but also just that annoyance factor when she was both biking and running so she did well to just to deal with that so she's taking home $45,000 20000 for second and 15000 for third and also not that it really matters but uh, the winner of this race they were saying on the comments that uh, does get an automatic slot to Kona for next year not that it really matters for Daniela Reef, I don't think well because she gets five years anyway good or point do you get, do you get, oh because they're a winner now so the system, now officially the system's changed the system's now isn't changed, it the changed yeah yeah so the winning, the, winning this race also gets you it so this would be the only non-Ironman race where you can get to Kona yes but you still do have to validate <clears throat> Oh, do you? Yes. So you still have to do an Ironman. Still got to go race. and do an Ironman, but you don't have to. And so all the top 10 in Kona with the, with the new qualification system will still get a, a slot? No. So it's the top. How many? How many I'm not sure what it is for Kona. I can't remember that. any of them. Uh, well, the winner, obviously. You would assume so. Yeah. Keep changing the rules on us. It's hard yeah, to keep up. I'll tell you. Okay. So then, so we're seeing the extension of a legend right now, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. <coughs> you know, she has won now seven world titles. Uh, so f- I think it's four seventy point threes and three Konas. And we'll uh, talk about her in statistic later on. Yeah, but her performances so, are so stellar. impressive. Um, and yeah, but just what I'm she, just so she, she got like pushed. Sorry? What was she like in ITU? She was good, uh, but not great. Her, her, the problem was she's so strong on the bike that it, she didn't really get to display. So, you know, if, you, if you're going into, you know, you'd expect her to be a top tenner, um, but she did get a did get the odd podium here or there from memory. Yeah. I haven't got her stats in front of me. So she was good, but you wouldn't be going into a race when all the, the weapons are there going, right, Daniela Rafe's going to do it. If you had a very, very hilly course, you go, she's going to be a factor and she could really break things up. But... Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't a weapon. It must be fascinating to be like like you know she is arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time in our sport and uh, of this decade of, of this decade. Well, <laughs> history will say she will be one of the greatest of all time. But um, it must be really fascinating to have an athletic career where you're kind of a bit of a middle of the picker, mm-hmm. you know, and and you probably leave that career a little bit kind of you know just underwhelmed by yourself and then you move into a new aspect of the, your career and you're just so dominant well it's, it's you know somewhat similar to Miranda Carfrey she wasn't a great under 20 uh, uh, ITU athlete she didn't stick around like Daniela Rafe had a quite a long ITU career um, Miranda Carfrey's was more of a junior sort of under 23 career as uh, someone else I was just thinking of before as well the guy uh, side no on the female what side what was Corey like as an ITU he wasn't a, no, a he rock wasn't star very, he wasn't very good uh there's somebody else as well, but the name eludes me. So, yeah. yes, on to the men's race. And this was the big showdown between Gomez, Brownlee and Fredino. How cool was it having them all out there? How cool was it? It was just, as a, as a triathlete fan, it was awesome, wasn't it? It was great. The, the, <coughs> the, the, they And they stuck to each other a little bit like glue. You know, it, it, 
I guess it's probably some, somewhat more interesting if you have someone like a Lionel Sanders who's miles behind and you're not quite sure it's going to go, go down. Although he wouldn't be able to catch up. No, no. And, no. and so they, all, they swam together and they, they biked together. Um, so Brownlee and Fredino were, were doing the dominant players on the bike trying to, to push the pace along. Um, Gomez was certainly never, I never saw him go to the front. Ben Canute went to the front once or twice. So I think it really goes to show that they were pushing it on the bike. They the, the group rode a two oh four and uh and you know some really strong riders behind people like Michael Weiss and and others were, were not able to make any inroads whatsoever. So uh, I think they were pushing it. Well they but, put four minutes on Vice. Yeah. Now so. they had a pack, so maybe that's the difference, but still Michael Weiss is an axe. Yeah, so they um what the weather conditions are pretty crap. Uh it didn't look like it was that cold, but um it was pretty damp throughout but luckily it was fairly straight line riding so there weren't I didn't see any bike crashes um, but you know it, it's a, it was a bit like a Kona coverage you know you kind of see the guy on the front smashing it and then the what the then behind you know uh, riding at you know it was questionable whether it was legal distance all the time but it was pretty similar to Kona uh, and sometimes having to soft pedal a little bit so they don't ride into the draft zone so I've sort of seen some comments on Facebook saying oh they were, they were too close but it's yeah, it's one of those things, you know, if the, if the draft distance is supposed to be 12 metres or 10 metres or whatever it was on that particular day, then people are probably going to ride 8 to 9 metres and if they yeah. can get away with it, they will. So when you're driving a car, if the limit's 100 kilometres, most I people drive it, 105 to 110. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would much rather <coughs> see that distance being increased for the pros and I think had that been the, the challenge rule, you know, 20 metres, we may well have seen some different um, Well, maybe a Frodo or, or um, Brownlee may have got away. I, I think they quite possibly could yeah. have done and Gomez couldn't have just said in mm, yeah. yeah Gomez was uh, at times did look like he was a little bit too close yeah. <laughs> um, so but then it came down to the run and, and, and there was some good fast transitions and <laughs> what about Brownlee's start I'd love to know how fast he did those first couple of K's because yeah. he put the pedal down didn't he he certainly did so Fr- Fredino got out of transition first Gomez was, was last out of that group and uh, and then yeah it was probably took maybe a K or so for Brownlee to get to the front. He just surged the front and just laid down the smack. And he, he, and he passed quite quickly and, yeah. and pulled away quite quickly. So I'm thinking maybe he is on fire uh, and it did not take long for him to sort of slow down and then slowly get past. But to his credit, he hung in there and uh, and in the past we've seen when Brownlee blows, he blows and uh, it is game over. So to his credit, he hung in there and towards the end, uh, repassed Gomez who was having his struggles. Um, but, you know, it was almost looking like he was running pretty strong and had Fredino faltered, um, he was not that far behind him in terms of actually taking it. At the end, he was only one minute twenty, uh, one minute ten down. So, yeah, he hung in there nicely. But although you never thought Frodo was going to fold, in the, in the last kind of chaos, so he looked a bit tired, but he, he had it. Oh, he he did have it. But you know, if he had been like Gomez, you know, Gomez defaulted. Um, that was out of it, wasn't it? Uh, and that was because they put him under pressure. And this is what what they needed to do in the race. I, th- I think Gomez was probably the fastest runner uh, out of those three currently. But they they obviously rode hard, hard enough to really put him under the pump, and on the run he wasn't quite his normal self. And then he did get a, a side stitch, which you might say, well, that's because they pushed him so hard on the bike and he was on his limit. Yep. Uh, but it was just it's just impressive running. You know, we've seen some impressive running before, but when you've got 
the three best guys of the current generation running and there was about they were just basically running in a line with about I don't know 30 metres between each of them maybe 50 and uh, they looked like they were all going at a pretty similar pace and uh, it was it was cool really really enjoyed watching it and I know a lot of other people did as well so yeah in terms of the run times holy smokes (laughs) oh my god especially you're like okay it might be 200 short but so it's a 106.33 for Fadino so let's call it a 107 or 107 and a half if you really after that bike as well after pushing the bike and I think that really goes to show that the conditions were good for running it wasn't too hot um, but you extrapolate that out to a, to a full you know you can't use like the Jack Daniels formula for for, for extrapolating a, a half marathon run at a 70.3 oh. out to an Ironman but if you did you know 106 probably works out at a I don't know like a 2 I don't know probably like a, two, a, a low to mid 220 um, now they're, ne- they're never going to run that in a full but it would be so cool to see the likes of these three going head to head not in Kona but in somewhere with a more moderate climate on 218 a, on f- 218 <laughs> yeah right. Jack Daniels yeah yeah. It's the, so if you yeah. do a 106, basically, you do a 218. Yeah, marathon. so yeah, so it really does get you thinking. <laughs> what, so, so many of these Ironmans they do, you know, Frodo, say at Frankfurt, yeah, he runs a 230-something, but it's, it's hot over there. If you go to a moderate climate and have these guys going for it in good conditions, God knows how fast they would go. You've got to think they're going to be um, touching down towards 230 if they're really firing on all cylinders. That would be wicked. We to just see. Need to see that situation in Kona, don't we? No, yeah, we never will, you know, um, no. just because of the heat. No, but I mean, like those three mm. going into a run in Kona. So, yeah, and let's be honest, next year if Brownlee comes over, are they mm. highly unlikely? If, oh if no, the no, who knows? Who knows? But it's uh, really our last chance to see those because Proldo is now thirty-eight. Yeah, he's thirty-seven, I think. Oh yeah, I think it's thirty-eight. I think I looked up when he was racing. So. You know, like really, we've probably got two more great years of Frodo. Mm. Now, now science and all the rest of it, he might get into his 40s, but really, mm. you know, we're, we're definitely seeing peak Frodo. Um, and so if we think about that next year, if, if Brownlee turns up to Kona, Gomez and Frodo and all the other players, but it was just it was just awesome, wasn't it? The well, stars of, our, of this generation, all there together. And let's give big ups to Frodo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, He's just crushing it this season. Oh, my God. Um and that was the race, basically. You know, whilst there are other people in the race, it was really what did come down to those three. And, and I would have liked really it to be closer, closer to the end. That was the only thing. Because once Friday mm. broke away, you knew he had it. Mm. Um, and it was a bit of a bummer that the stitch kind of was the, you know, and, and it was probably caused because of the racing. But it would have just been nicer if it came, you know, to a K to go. Mm. And I was still shoulder to shoulder. You know, that would have been pretty cool. But. Hey, Frodo's a legend. So it is a one-off race, and you never know what's going to happen between now and uh, Kona, you know, whether Frodo can maintain that form, whether Gomez uh, was was just having a bit of an off day. Um, but what it does sort of point to me is that, you know, as, as known, Gomez maybe not quite as strong on the bike, and that could be the problem in Kona. You know, yep. he's, he's probably going to have a really good run over there. Whether or not he can stick with the, the pack on the way back from Harvey is going to be the big question, because I think if he is in the mix, he's uh, certainly got a very, very good chance. But if he's not in the mix off the um, bike or if it really destroys him, might be, uh, you know, he'll still do very, very well, I'm sure. But in terms of actually taking the win, if Fredino's in top form, could be a little bit tricky. <coughs> How um, exciting is it for Kona? 
oh, it's going to be great. We're yeah. going to be there. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool stuff. <laughs> so let's just talk about some of the coverage and stuff. So um, if, if you, it was on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty choppy at times. Luckily in the run, it kind of held through. On the bike, it did come and go quite a few times, which is a little bit frustrating. A little bit, but also a lot. I think people are expecting me to rant here. They're expecting me to go, go on, nuts John. at Ironman because the comments on Iron on Facebook, like I was as frustrated as everybody else in terms of you know the accessibility and and the dropouts, uh, and especially at key times, I couldn't get on on my PC or my computer, uh, uh, but I could on my phone and the and the iPad. So I think people are expecting me to rant, but I'm not actually. I'm actually feel sorry for them that it didn't bloody work perfectly. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a Did real it work shame. On sorry. Uh, it still was in and out a little bit, so I just actually felt sorry for them because I think it's a good platform in terms of and they've got a you know um, they had good the chat thing works really well, doesn't it? Yeah, and they had uh, they had you know several cameras out there, so for the females race there was good coverage. They, I think they had probably two cameras plus a helicopter, so it wasn't like Kona where it's just focusing on one person. They were sort of scanning through the pack a bit, so you kind of got a better feel. So I thought. That the product was there. It's just a shame that the the platform and the delivery didn't work. And and but could you argue it, they should have known that? Well, I, I guess at the end, end responsibility does lie with Iron Man and Facebook. Um, but yeah, whoever was doing the delivery, whether that subcontracted out or whatever, uh, yeah. But I just, I mean, <clears throat> it was a, like I was, I watched I watched bits of the bike, and it was kind of obvious what was going to happen on the bike. So I kind of just came and go from the bike, and I watched pretty much all the run. Um, and it was a little bit frustrating, and you could see people getting frustrated on the feed. I do think it's a great platform. I mm. do think, like it was really cool to see a the chat, but mm-hmm. also see everyone who's a Facebook friend. So you could see all your friends who were watching it. It did give a sense of the the greater community and how you and know if, everyone was watching. It. I thought that was if you watch cool. that in conjunction with using the tracker on your phone or whatever, then you can see where other people are. Um, so I thought. Yeah, I thought it was good. And we've got to remember, I think Swanee made a really good point on on Facebook. There was no ads. Yeah. It's free for us to watch. We're a minority sport. I think if you stack this up against other sports of similar size, it's okay. It just did suck that it was cutting out. Um, and and, and, and I, I want to put the boot into Iron Man when, that, when I think they're making bad decisions yeah. and challenge. It's and that, unlucky more than anything. Whereas I don't think this was a bad decision. It was... Somebody's cock up in terms of not getting it right. Well, but they do have to get it right for Kona. You hope so, yeah. yeah. You know what Probably I mean? Like, yeah. Because the, the thing that they were very lucky with was it held up in the run. Like it was frustrating in the bike, but it wasn't, mm. a, you know, like it would have been frustrating in the bike because there was a couple of periods where we went down for a good five minutes. Mm. Um, it would have been frustrating in the bike if suddenly Brownlee had got away and you missed mm. that. Um, but yeah. nothing like that really happened in the bike and luckily it kind of held up in the run. So if it happened in the run, like imagine when Frodo got away, if it happened mm-hmm. then, I think we would have been more frustrated. So I think they were lucky around that, but I do think they've got a big job to get it right for Kona. Yeah. It, I actually think it's awesome. I think mm-hmm. if there wasn't the streaming problems, I love it. I loved it. I could see you were on there, Melina. All the yeah. Iron Talk listeners' names were popping up. If you wanted to, you could chat. So I saw Pete Clifford, a, a, a triathlete coach from Sydney. He was writing comments in there. I, I really enjoyed that kind of community aspect of what Facebook can bring to it. And as you say, the coverage was great. The commentators did a good job. Mm-hmm. The little clips they brought up of the athletes, you know, mm-hmm. the coverage was spot on. Um, so just that's the one thing to work on. Always things that could be doing better, but yeah, I'm... Uh, Giving them a, yeah, it, it sucks that it didn't work for them and I do feel sorry. And yeah, if you're a keyboard warrior just slamming people all the time, sometimes just take a little step back and yeah, just chill a little bit. I wonder if they'll try to package this. 
For I don't TV, know what you mean. You know, like 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 it's not going to be a Kona kind of TV package. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, they absolutely. They'll have a 30 to 60 minute package, and that'll be yeah. part of the deal with um, where, where, how extensively that's um, broadcast. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, that, they'd be able to put a good good thing together for that. So, just on Twitter, Javier Gomez has got a third in the World Championship. They got race until 13 k's where I had to walk due to stitches. It was survival mode from there, but still managed to defend. A podium. So. He did look like he was in survival mode a little bit before then. He was running behind Frodo, and I was thinking, yeah, he was fighting, wasn't he's he? Either fighting or he's really got something in the bag. But I thought, I thought he was fighting. So. And on Brownlee's Twitter, he was just talking about his nutrition a lot. How he's, mm-hmm. you know, this longer sport. And and um, Greg Welch was talking a lot about the nutrition. You know how Brownlee has to learn this side of the game, especially as it goes longer. So good times. Great, great, great spectacle. Great. Uh, advertisement for our sport just a quick one for uh, for age groupers uh, fastest age grouper on the female side was uh, JN Roberts uh, Jeep is only 30 seconds in it she took out the race uh, overall and then second place was Sarah Van Der Vel. third place was Deirdre Casey uh, on the males side it was Jean-Paul Berger in 3 hours 58.41. That's impressive. That was faster than Daniela Reef. Nice work. Yeah. Second place was uh, Chris Standridge, and third place was Patrick Riga. Overall, the feedback uh, has been really positive. On the, uh, on the age group race? Yeah, just, just overall. You know, I put a post on, on our Facebook page yesterday. Um, I'm just waiting for it to, to pull up now. Uh but yeah, most people were saying they got around about that 20.8 to 21 sort of Ks. Uh, Lynette Warren was saying really tough day. Ladies had a strong, strong headwind uh, going out on the big climbs. Two big hills at each of the end of the two-lap run. Great organisation and hats off to the amazing volunteers. Huge heavy finishes medals and accurate course. Uh, also... Did look like good crowds as well, didn't it? Yeah, really good crowds. Um, some people were saying it was a draft fest um, on the bike. I mean... I comment too much on that. Um, <laughs> Finn Swager, yes, unfortunately, this will make Ironman South Africa even more popular. Split transition, always a bit annoying, but in this case, little pain as walking distance apart and well organised. Swim beach venue was great, uh, not quite as iconic as uh, Hobie Beach with the pier. Um, road conditions are still a little bit rough, but have, have been improved. Great scenery and a few short, challenging climbs. Drafting, not too bad. Run course was good with two little climbs at each end to make it honest. Highly recommend it. Good old Lou DiGiuseppe. Well, I loved it, but I'm easily pleased. Road's a little rough, but fair course if you ethically chose to ride fair. Just the right amount of climbs and descents um, that I prefer. Run was uh, racetrack fast for the front end of the groups, but I thought it provided a good challenge for me, so happy to be part of it. Yeah, and overall... Look like good, good crowds. Yep. Um, it sounded like it was not a draft fest for the age group race, um, by and large. I mean, you're always going to get some drafting, but it sounded like it was a, a good, fair course. Organisation sounded really good. So, overall, thumbs up. Okay, um, just lastly, <coughs> excuse me, um, just on the men's race on Facebook spectators, I think at peak it was probably about 27,000. I got up to 30. I oh, did get up to 30, did yep. it? Okay, mm-hmm. so. I don't know if that's good or bad, or I don't know whether what markers I've got. But well, it's funny when you think about like esports. So they're saying esports. They had something on the news the other day about esports. You know, electronic gaming and Mm. stuff like that. It's getting bigger numbers around the world than the Super Bowl is now. Yeah. 
Like unbelievable. So when you think thirty thousand, we're nothing sport. <laughs> Got to be making a, you know, it's a big loss for them because there's no. Well, maybe with the TV packages that they sell, is where they make their money. Yeah. Um, we got an email through from Chris Dorian, and it's got just a hard man challenge. Uh, hey guys, I did the hard man challenge last week, and I loved it. My first IM distance race, perfect day, amazing course, fifty-one finishes, and while I was happy with, uh, with a fourteen oh eight, I could care less as the day was about pushing myself accurate distances too. Beautiful swim, unbelievable bike on the bike. On the run, because there were so few people with you, you, that you knew, they personally checked up on you and encouraged you on each lap. Fantastic. Anyway, the race director posted this below. He uh, was a legend and a gent on the day. I love this challenge approach, and it sums up the ethos of the race. This is the challenge. So he sent through a link to a Facebook feed from the race director, Michael Keogh, maybe, and it's got... Uh, so our fastest time by a male was set this year by Brian Sexton in a 9.31.40. Our fastest female time in 2017 was by Naomi Shinkins uh, in 10.52.40. Both phenomenal times on a hard course. Next year, I'm offering 1,000 euros to the first male who can beat Brian's time, plus 1,000 bonus for the first male to go under 9 hours. Likewise, the first female to beat Naomi's time and 1,000 euros to the first sub-10 hour female. This is dependent on a minimum of 15 females was entering the event it should get some of the pros out there interesting isn't it yep so you can check it out at hardman.ie so it's uh, i just like hearing about these non-branded races and uh, so guys if you're doing other races out there like this um send us a little report on what it's like or a, a link to the results and if you're pretty decent athlete and you're, and i don't know the course it's obviously pretty challenging but do you think you can go sub nine yes. nice picture a picture of the the rider there it looks like a picture from uh, challenge wanaka almost it's it really does, beautiful it? so Good work to the hard man. Okay, so we've got some races coming up this weekend, Jombo. We have indeed. So it's that time, that, well, as Bevan mentioned earlier, now it is time we were doing the old switcheroonie-roo. And, switcheroonie-roo. And you win an Ironman race now for the pros and you are off to Kona. No more points gathering or anything like that. You win uh, and you're going. So uh, at some races, males will have a couple of slots. Most races... Females are only going to have one. Uh, so first one up is Ironman Wales this weekend. You haven't really got any Kona contenders there. Um, you've got Matt Trotman, who's a great athlete from South Africa, Philip Graves and Peru Alfaro, uh, expected to be the top three based on Torsen's ratings. Only one of them is expected to come under nine hours on that very challenging course over there. Uh, so good luck to everybody over there. On the female side, Lucy Gossage, not quite her signing off race because I remember she was saying she's going off to Patagonia to do um, an iron distance race over there but I think this will be her I think was going to be her last race of sort of a pro proper pro race yep. uh, so she's seated number one in front of Anya Berenek and uh, Camilla Peterson along with Heather Wirtle although she's got an asterisk she raced last weekend Melanie McQuaid so probably you know you say it's a slightly more exciting females race potentially than uh, males so good luck to everybody going to Wales that is one of the iconic races on the circuit and uh, if you want a good challenging day go and check that one out it looks awesome we also have Ironman Wisconsin we do indeed this is a female only race uh, we have lining up there Lindsay Corbin Kirsty Yarn and Angela Neath amongst others so female only race it's six uh, percent of a typical Kona field in terms of its strength forty thousand dollars US are paying ten deep and one Kona slot to the lucky winner nice and then we also have challenge Almere Finally, Challenge Almere. It used to be the Almere Triathlon. Uh, I think I saw next year it's going to be the, the European Champs again. Uh, so 
Cam Worth is uh, listed to race. He's only seated second behind Yaroslav Kovacic uh, and Evert Schellings uh, seated in third. On the male side, Yvonne Van Vlerken, Isla Vissa and Camille Delgli. So it's always a good race. They get good numbers um, over there at that Challenge Eldmira and it's, I th- I'm not sure, but it's probably behind Rote probably the oldest race in Europe I'd say in terms of iron distance oh, well, okay. I think that's, that's a think what I would say that Kevin, is a think is it it's a think that's okay. what we say with Felicity um, it just got me thinking with the, with this new system it's probably, I, don't, I guess it hasn't really changed is it fair that basically all the Kona athletes are getting ready for Kona now they're missing out on these opportunities to qualify with these other races so you can get these sort of so you're saying it should start after fair. Kona yeah I kind of think maybe but, you can't, but then these races here can't have qualifications. Yeah, I know. That's a conundrum, Bevan. Nah, I get what you're saying. Because mm. a lot of guys who probably could win this race are now going to Kona. Top 50, you know. <laughs> yeah, and so it makes it harder for them to get there next year because there's less races, whereas mm. the guys who are up and coming or didn't get there this year. So I, I kind of get what you're saying. But then the then these races don't have the, the, the slots. Hmm. So what's fairer, to put slots out there or to have races without slots? Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's a hard one. I kind of think it's okay. But, you know, the rules are out there. Everybody knows the rules. If you want to get a slot for Kona next year, either you don't race Kona this year and you go and get a slot. If you're, say, you're and a, is there a only development athlete. race? Most guys, are races will be one no, or two. No, but I mean these two now. Yes. There's only one. Slot? Yeah. One or two. Because I kind of think maybe you just have one slot these, mm. this time of year. Mm. You know? So... Anyhow, other races that are coming up this weekend, um, we have the Spirit Triathlon in Canada, and one other one that I just looked up, the Almira, not Almira as in uh, as in Holland, yeah, yeah. the Almira X in Greece, and so I thought, I haven't heard of that one, so I'm going to go check that out, and it's another one of these uh, sort of Norse manny type races, um, where you have, uh, they take you off in a boat, and they park you four kilometres offshore, and you've got to swim to shore. I've done one, and I have Oh, they done, literally just take you 4K out. Yeah, and then you've got to swim a straight line. 4Ks in a straight line, that is, that's imposing. Uh, I've once did a race in France where they took us out to this island and dropped us on an island, and we had to swim back for shore, and that was a half iron, man, it's the first one I've ever done. And even 2Ks in a straight line, that's a long way. Uh, but it looks like a really epic bike ride in Greece, um, <laughs> and then... Uh, and then a marathon to finish. Uh, for second year they've been running it. They had a handful doing it last year, but another one of these extreme triathlons. They seem to be everywhere now, and it's going to be interesting to see how they develop and how they survive in terms of if you've got someone really enthusiastic creating these races, they're certain they can survive a few years, but after that, whether that passion dwindles if you're not getting any financial reward or you're struggling just to break even, It'll be interesting to see if just the strongest few survive or if they do, in fact, all survive um, because events are costly to put on if you are following all the rules in terms of traffic management, water safety, and, and that's going to vary quite a bit from country to country. Just going back to um, <coughs> sorry, the, the new qualifying system, um, uh, just did some research then. It doesn't seem they didn't really announce what will happen with the Kona slots based on the results from Kona. So how many would actually get a slot automatically for the next year? I'm, it, based on, it was previously just the winner, wasn't it? 
Well, and yeah, it depends how far you want to go back. No, back but I mean the, in this last moment. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in the old was top five, wasn't it? Well, in the last little moment, yes, you say it was the winner gets the automatic slot, but if you finished in the top 10 in Kona, you got enough points yeah. that you, you need to go and do one other race, but it was you know, pretty much a done deal. So now, actually, if, now I, could, I couldn't find it. The PR release that they did at the time was pretty much just saying we've changed the system, hmm. but didn't go specific to what happens in Kona. So yeah, if you finish in... Maybe I'll send an email to my mate. Yeah, if yeah. you if you finish ninth or tenth in Kona, previously pretty much guaranteed to get in next year with a with a one other decent result. Now you're you're at zero, the same as everybody else. Yeah. So, uh, ITU update: We had uh, the Asian Games last weekend, and this is fantastic, a big deal for all the Asian countries because often they are not the strongest athletes when it comes to the ITU circuit. Um, so for this, for their funding, it's a bit like New Zealand with the Commonwealth Games. It's quite a big deal for us because it's 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 a pinnacle event, and a lot of their funding is um, is you know centered around this. Usually, the Japanese take it out, and they did again here with. Jumpy, Jumpy Fuyara taking that out in one hour 49 ahead of a Kazakh athlete and uh, Chinese finished in fourth and fifth. Chinese have really never been able to make it, especially on the male side, uh, in terms of onto the ITU circuit with any success. There was a period where they did have a few female athletes that were were, were decent. They didn't have any bike handling skills, but they were really good swimmers and okay on the run. But we've yet to see, which is a little bit surprising, that the Chinese have really developed into, into good triathletes. Um, <clears throat> on the female side, the Japanese also took that out with Yuko... Takahashi taking that out in 1 hour 59.29, again ahead of a Chinese, and then an athlete from, I think it's Macau. Nice work. We uh, had Zofingen, we had the Duathlon World Championships happening as well, the, the power man in Zofingen, um, and John, what happened in results? It is the ITU Long Distance World Championships, used to be an iconic race, we've talked about it before, but Gail Lebelak took it out in 6.07 um, from another Frenchy Yannick Catalan, and then on the female side, we had a pair of Swiss take it out. Petra Ugschwiller took it out seven hours with a dojo domination by 22 minutes over Melanie Mora. Still 50,000 US um, total prize purse. Also, got to say, there was an Israeli female that got in third place. Very few top Israeli athletes have made sort of world championship podiums before, so nice work, Antonia Reznikov. Okay, John, so one of the things we're going to be working over the next period of time is the GOAT of all time and also the kind of the legends of each decade as we look at both male and female. But we've kind of thought last week as a part of the discussion, as part of starting this process, is what was kind of some of the criteria we want to put around this when we when we compare athletes from their own generations and maybe as we head further and down the path from different generations. So the discussion really was what is the criteria that we want to use in regards to looking for the GOAT? Or the guy, I'm calling it the God. Or the God. Or the GOG, the greatest of the, decade or greatest of generation so I'll call it God or Gog Bevan's going to get stick with goat. Yep. So, um, so we've got some really good discussions here, actually. So Neil Hastings got, uh, well, he's just already gone with the answer. He's, he's got Mark Allen as the god. <laughs> so there you go. Amy Stone. It's not really a measurable thing, but I feel like being part of the goat is redefining something within the sport, pushing the boundaries that perhaps nobody considered was really possible. I have no idea how you ever measure or quantify that, which is probably why the debate goes on forever. So I guess you know, like. The first female to break nine hours or the first male to break eight hours, I guess, is uh, some of the measures we've had. And yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, back in the old days, who was it break eight hours first? Uh, Lothar Leader. 
Yeah, that, that put him in the record books, didn't it? Uh, Andreas Wolf's got world-breaking performances at all distances, uh, respected or feared by competition in their own era. So that's a good one. Uh, Rob Dalymore, covered all bases, long distances and short distance, including duathlon. Graham McCallum's got McCallum's got um, the competition they were up against. No point beating everyone if you're an adult playing against kids. Just because it was close doesn't mean the standard of competition was high. So you have to have a look at what they were set against some of the fastest times in their career. And also he agrees with uh, consistency and longevity. Thierry uh, DLS or Dirty Little Secret uh, Bessidy, uh criteria based on performances at main events. Ironman Worlds, Olympics, ITU Series, 70.3 Worlds. Arguably some events didn't exist back in the day, um, but right now they are the biggest events in the sport. So really focusing on pinnacle events rather than... So like Nice back in the day. Mm, you know, you rather than say uh, winning... A particular Ironman 10 times um, yeah. focusing on those key events Dean Goffsko I think it's important to look more at just one series uh, sometimes uh, who shows success across multiple distance and over a fair amount of time a fair amount of races also someone like Mark Allen who had lots of success at different distances James Rotel I'm on board with the most big wins at different distances to shortlist but the goat needs to have some intangibles as well charisma transcending the sport being an ambassador and growing the sport and being an innovator also i assume cock is not a criteria we should have um but that is interesting because a lot of the names not many people have mentioned names here but nobody's really mentioned too many females that's true Hmm. We've got a sexist audience, yeah. <laughs> not just us. Uh, Lars Menu has got consistently, consistently strongest against all across all distances from sprint to Ironman. Uh, you haven't done Graham McCullum? No, I don't you? think so, no. no? Um, the competitive competition they were up against. No point beating everyone if you're an adult playing oh, against no, I did kids. Yeah, I did, yeah. He did, yeah. Daniel Langton's got, I think, across, so pretty much got them up. I actually took it, I took, I've made a, a, a doc. Did you? Yeah, the goat criteria. Okay. And so basically, chose not to share that with me? No, well, I just did it this morning. <laughs> so, okay. um, And here's what kind of what, so the, the ones people have come up with is record-breaking performances in all distances, respected and feared by competition, co- uh, the competition again, agreed with consistency and longevity, have to have been a world champion at Olympic or long horse, mm-hmm. uh, someone who has showed success across multiple distances, uh, Chris, Chris uh, sorry, transcending the sport as in getting, you know, having a bigger name than just within the world. Um, how'd they go in the main events of their of their mm-hmm. time? Pushing the boundaries that perhaps maybe no one had done. Uh, how long had they dominated, dominated for, which is a good one. Uh, and percentage of victories, which mm-hmm. is one that we haven't mentioned. What are some of the ones you think, John? Uh, as most people agree, longevity is, um, I think, really, really important. Uh, and then, again, for me, it's about focusing on the major titles, whether you're winning those. So again, um, if somebody wins 15 Ironmans, and, and, and I'm not picking on people or anything like that, but say you consider someone like an Yvonne Van Vlerken won stack loads of races, yeah. um, but you compare that to somebody who's maybe won several Ironman World Championships or, or won um, you know, someone like a Leander Cave who won a short course Worlds. Um, she won 70.3 Worlds. Her versus Cave. And then, and then she won a Kona. And so I would argue that those are major competitions outweigh winning, you know, 20 iron distance races. <clears throat> not saying she's not great. No, of course but she is. But if it came down to, to the final decision. And then uh, an important one for me is uh, 
is doing it over all distances I think is far more impressive so again if we compare a couple of females someone like a you know, someone like a Laurie Bowden or, or Heather Fuhr who won Kona titles Laurie Bowden won several and, Kelly Jones um, yeah, yeah and then compare it against someone like Michaela Jones who only won one Kona. Kona she got a second as well but she won multiple short course um, worlds and an Olympic medal and Olympic medal didn't really the half Ironman was not really on the scene so much when she was around so she probably won some half Ironman races but there wasn't a world champs um, in her sort of generation so yeah so doing it over all distances um, counts for me okay. Bevan anything else you got? Uh, I just think impact on the sport I think is a big one as well um, and, and the ability to reach outside the sport you know like I think that is something that needs to be considered um, you know like you think of who's like right now who would you say is transcending our sport probably Brownlee yeah he'd probably be maybe Gomez but not really mm-hmm. I think most people in New Zealand would probably know the name Alistair Brownlee mm-hmm. or the Brownlee brothers mm. um, and so stuff like that because you know I remember years ago there was a sports commentator or, or a sporting coach and he said part of your job as being an athlete or a coach is to expand your sport. It's kind of part of your job and it's something that we haven't done that well in triathlon, you know, like, you know, not many of our stars actually become household names. In New Zealand, in small countries like a Hamish Carter will because he won an Olympic gold medal, um, but the Brownlee brothers have done something where they are household names pretty much in, in lots of parts of the world. Um, so those types of things are probably worth considering as well. Mm. But I think we've probably got the main criteria here, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this will be a project we'll be working over the next period of time. I think it's going to be really fascinating. In some ways, there's some obvious answers, but it'll be maybe what we should do is we should do a top five male and female from each decade. Yep, yep, you know? exactly. So so we can kind of, because to nut out, I, I think in each decade, like in the 80s, it's going to be Mark Allen. You know, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. But when we, especially if you just think of that criteria, but the top five is a really interesting discussion. Mm. You know? Absolutely. It's uh, good times of rock and roll. Whereas this decade's a bit more interesting. You know, you're probably going to go for Dino, but especially, uh, you know, what he's, what he's done in his time. But still, it's just, a, you know, once you kind of go into the nitty gritty of it, and then we can kind of maybe even go further into it as we go further down this piece. So it's kind of a, an exciting project that we'll be doing over the show over the next period of time. This week's discussion, John. What changes if any would you like to see at the age group 70.3 world champs so a bit of a free-for-all in terms of do you think the qualifying you know things like is the qualifying good a good system uh is it too easy to get in is it too hard to get in if they the roll down slots you know a lot of races you go to they're just giving away the slots um to pretty much it's not as prestigious is it to Um, get there no so what changes would you like to see less participants on the on the course get rid of the rolling wave start, or maybe that's just me and maybe the rolling wave start is. People do prefer that on the masses. Here's an interesting question for you, John. Would you be willing to pay more, as much as double the price, if they limited entries? No. Okay. Well, that's never going to happen then. Yeah. But no, because you know what I mean? Like, imagine if, because the the golden ticket's Kona in our sport. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the golden ticket. Everyone wants to get to Kona. And the reason Kona, it's a golden ticket is because there's only so many slots. Now, if they could make co the 10,000 athletes, which I know is not possible, let's say they could, it kind of loses its appeal because the mm-hmm. scarcity of the race has disappeared. So if they said for the 70.3 world champs, they would only have, let's say, 100 athletes in each category. So it's kind of you ending up having a similar kind of field in each age group to maybe what you'd have in Kona, but they charge more so that they can make similar kind of money. It would bring more prestige to the age group race, wouldn't it? 
Oh, I would. Um, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't. A, I wouldn't pay it. Uh, I'd be more inclined to go if the event did carry more prestige. Um, at the moment, no. Well, I'll say my opinion still next week. Hmm. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think it's the whole thing right now. If, if someone says to you, "I'm going to the Age Group World Championships," you're kind of oh, good on you. But it's not hmm. like you know, Joe Public will go, "Oh, well, you're going to World Champs," but us in the world kind of know why well, it's not that hard. N- not kind of undermining anyone who's got <laughs> there. <Careful. laughs> but, but let's be honest, you know, like you can, go, you can go to races, and if you hang around long enough at the roll down, you're going to get a slot. Hmm. So it's really not that hard. Um, whereas to get to Kona. Hmm. It's hard, man. It's mm. hard to get to Kona. And so I wonder, are we willing to pay more of a premium to do that race so they can make a similar profit on that race and, and then limit to create that kind of scarcity? Anyway, we'll get into that next week. Uh, so this week's discussion is, what changes, if any, would you like to see in the Age Group 73.3 World Championships? John, I'm going to put some music on. Age group of the week. Good old Volker Voigt. It's a great name. <laughs> and I've just become a patron. I just think your name should just be your nickname. It's a bloody <laughs> sensational name. I would like to nominate my Dutch training buddy, Tom. I'm going to say Osterdick. Yeah, let's roll with that. Osterdick. Um, 25 years old as Age Group of the Week. He started with triathlon only around two years ago due to being unfit and a bit overweight. Since around one year, we have been training together. Not really structured or planned, but a lot of passion and motivation. Always focused for him on Ironman Maastricht. Uh, his first ever iron distance race as well as his first ever marathon it's a good effort Uh, the goal was besides finishing to see if the dream of Kona could be true that's pretty ambitious in your first ever Ironman and first ever Mm. marathon we got out of the water together and expected slow 109 and then flew on the bike and he managed to run a 307 in his first marathon winning his age group of 25 to 29 and a 9.13 jeepers creepers being 7th overall and becoming 2nd in Dutch national long distance championships really proud of this guy who put so much hard work into the preparation and is now thinking he might even turn pro in some time I'm really happy that we are both heading in the same dance to the big island as I managed to get 3rd in my age group that is impressive Impressive. Very solid. Never done a marathon. You're going to meet Volker Volker over in Kona. Mate, with that name, I definitely want to. Yeah. Oh, that's a sensational name. If, especially in that 25 to 29, I'd imagine... Yeah. Imagine your first ever Ironman, turning up to 9.13, running a 3.07, never done a marathon in your life. I think you find a lot of people haven't done a marathon. I hadn't done a marathon before I did my first one. Uh, really? And I think that's probably pretty common. Um yeah, but you didn't put, well, most people aren't going to pull off a 307. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> not, not, not taking it any way, but I think that would be well, quite common. Did you run common. your first marathon? You blew in your first one, didn't you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, no, sorry. My first one I did. South Africa, yeah, mate. Go South back Africa, to your first back one. Back to the first one. <laughs> I'd need a craft bearing down on me, but I held her off. Would you run? I d- I've got no idea. I can't remember. It would have been, I'm guessing, probably 320, something oh, like that, okay. probably. 315, yeah, 320. Yeah. Um, very solid. So, Tom Ostradick. 25 year old that from is a great event. well done Tom you Good are our age, age group of the week, week. 3, 2, 1 statistic it's, it's fantastic. fantastic and this week it's sponsored by Tri 
uh, rating.com because uh, good old um, the geek Thorson sent through. We've been talking a lot about 70.3 over the last period of time and talking about the fastest 70.3 times of all time. Now, so he's done the work. He has, but he's done the work and gone the extra distance because the thing the with mile. the thing with going the fastest time, you go, yeah, but yep. but the cool thing with Torsten's ratings is it's um, it's weighted, so it's got a normalised time, so it's comparing the strength of the course, the um, you know the the previous year's numbers, and now I don't think he goes back too many years, so this is sort of a, a fairly current thing, but in terms of the last couple of years. He's got the top 10 performances uh, of all time. So, wait, so this is around a time frame? Yes. So this, uh, I don't know actually how far this goes back, well, it looks but it's like, interesting reading. It looks like it could just be the last few years, but still interesting reading. Okay, well, what we can say is he, 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 did, he did send this over last week, and then it got updated after the weekend. <laughs> and wow, it shows how great this weekend was, wasn't it? So in the male side of things, you got the fastest weighted time uh, of 339.43 by Jan Frodeno, uh, at the World Champs this year. Uh, second is Brownlee at the World Champs this year. Third is Gomez at the World Champs. Fourth is Brownlee at 70.3 St. George. Fifth is uh, Sanders at 70.3 St. George last year. Uh, Sanders is also sixth from his uh, race at the Challenge Championship. And he's also got seventh from uh, St. George this year. Uh, Keenlay is an eighth from the Challenge Championship. Fredino is ninth with his... Uh, race at Oceanside uh, earlier this year and Keenlay is in 10th from St George this year so very much dominated by the, the current generation and uh, then looking at the females it's dominated by one person <laughs> top one, six performances all Daniela Reef. yeah so Daniela Reef one through six with a combination of Switzerland the race she did over in Poland World Championships Dubai from 2015 so it must go back to 2015 yep. um, Lucy Charles with her performance uh, at the weekend is seventh Hallie Fredrickson with her oh it goes back to 2014 with Challenge Bar Rain uh, when she did her 355.50 and then uh, Ali Salthouse with a 403 at Boulder this year and Holly Lawrence with her performance in Bahrain uh, last year so yeah, current generation really crushing it on the male side and one person, Daniela Reef, uh, top six positions. It, it, it's a good time for the sport right now, isn't it? You know, it's it a good a time for the sport because in the men's side, it's probably, it's a real contrasting time for the sport as well because in the men's side, we just have a really good mix of great athletes, mm -hmm. you know, and interesting dynamic racing. Like when we think ahead for a few weeks from now to Kona, the racing we're going to see, just all the chess pieces that can be put into place, really, you know, like, obviously, you're a betting man, you're going Frodo, but, yeah. you know. It, well, then you've got Sanders who's going to ride up to the group yeah. and, and can run decent. I mean, you got second last year, uh, and then you've also, you can't we're discount talking about Patrick, Langer. Patrick Langer, who is, you know, if he's within five minutes, you've got to give him a very good chance. Even if he's within 10 minutes, he's got a chance, as he's shown previously. you got Gomez, and you got... So, fascinating. And then, you know, the girls' race is always, right now, is just the interesting race for second, because we are just seeing a freak in, mm. in ways that is just so impressive. So, mm. it's just, it, you know, it's a good time for our sport right now, and kind of all levels. So, thanks, Austin, for that. 
And um, guys, if you want to support Thorsten, go to tryrating.com and he'll have his Kona report coming out shortly. And that's a uh, fantastic resource when you're going to be sitting down to watch Kona uh, to read up on the athletes. And, and as you're watching, you can read up a bit more about them. And hopefully the commentators over there get a copy as well because uh, he does a great add job. to their repertoire. And he kind of basically does a you know, kind of donation type of thing. But basically, if you, go, you buy a magazine, it's at least with a magazine. Absolutely. You know, so whatever you'd pay for a magazine, check it to Thorsten because... Uh, it's a great resource. One, two, three, four. High five. five. Oh, you joined me. You don't normally join me for the high five. Don't I? No. Okay. okay but I feel very special today. I've been doing it for what, 12 years or something and yeah. I, I decided to join in. Uh, the, why individual time trials are such a good thing, such as a 5K run and a 20K, 20 minute bike. So Bevan, I was out there at the weekend. I was going to go do a park run because uh, I'd done one the previous week and yep. I wanted to have another, another hard 5K. Uh, couldn't make it in there just for childcare and all that sort of stuff and but i did want to get another another hard run and wait I'm, a second i'm gonna say 17 28 no if i had if I, uh, you were two seconds off i basically did that's the pretty same. good yeah that's pretty good <laughs> come on give me that's some pretty good <laughs> but, uh, so i went out and did a really hard 5k as hard as i could by myself and uh and it just reminded me of how beneficial it is to go out and do hard. a hard 5k as hard as you possibly can by yourself or a 20-minute time trial, the, they require huge amounts of focus. Oh they give you God. a good workout. And I was just going, God, so many people do not do this. And, and, and it is and that, so that, valuable. That, that place of you're in so much hurt, but you've got to hold on. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know like I, I haven't done a 5K time trial since this year, actually. But um, I remember last one I did. And I, was, I know I wasn't having a good day either. So, mm. you know, like the, um, the one I did before, I smashed it and I felt good and I kind of pushed mm-hmm. out at the end. This day, I was trying to beat my first one, and I, and it wasn't happening. Yep. And I'm suffering, but just trying to stay in the game. Like you by yourself. There's no crowd support. No. Just, it's it's mentally. Oh, we'll go, but it's this, so healthy for you, isn't it? This is why I thought I'll do a high five on this on the benefits. And of it's doing. different to an Ironman, but in many ways, in an Ironman, in that last moment of the race when you're struggling, that's the place you need to go to, oh, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So, so um, the high five on why individual time trials are good for you, such as a five k race or like a twenty minute time FTP, trial. It's we're, we're talking a maximum effort here. We're not talking about going running a half, hard five k. It is. So, you know, what's the best you could 20-ish do? Twenty ish minutes of all in effort. So, number one, it puts you under pressure like no other workout can do. So, I was you know standing there <laughs> waiting you to start. Your pants, hey. I'm going bloody hell, and I was just standing there. I had a little walk around where I'm ready to start. No, I'm just going to have a pause there. <laughs> not quite ready yet. And so, it really does put you under some pressure. I love, I love the thing of you wake up in the morning and you're negotiating from the moment you wake up. Mm. I love that. I love that kind of you wake up and you just you're fearful of the moment you've got to start that run. And from the moment you wake up, you're just negotiating. Oh, maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, or maybe I'll take it easy. Or maybe you know, and you've got to man up and you've mm-hmm. got to you've got to turn up and you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just love a the negotiation. I love b turn up and doing it. And that, as you say, that moment because in a five k tt, once the gun goes off in your head, or once you push start on that watch. Mm. You're not, it's not built into it. No. It is on. It is on like Donkey Kong. Okay, number one, number two is uh, should force to have a plan. And so what I mean by that is, is the difference, say you go along to a park run, which you're still going to get a really good workout by going and doing a 5K park run, is a lot of people are going to turn up and go, okay, I'm doing a park run, I'll run as hard as I can, and I'll, but I'll have some other people around me and I'll just kind of take it yep. as it comes. You don't have to think, right, I'm going to try to bang out at this, this K pace or this mile pace. So it kind of forces you to have a bit more of a plan. You've got to think, right, where am I going to actually execute this to have a good, 
good course where I can actually bang this out really nicely and how am I actually going to approach it and, and I really encourage people to do that with their racing as well don't go into things just blind yeah. and so when you go into TT you know what am I, I thinking about I'm going right this is the K pace I want to be maintaining um, when the hurt comes on this is what I'm going to focus on uh, and just going through all the little details so you do actually have a plan rather than just going in going okay it's 5k TT today I'll just go out there and go as hard as I can and sit and see what happens uh, having a should force you to have a bit of a plan number three gives you, you something to measure uh, so well, and also to set yourself plans from mm. you know like mm. a, you know if we use Jack Daniels it's you know one thing I always do with my, my crew is get them to start off the program of 5k time trial mm-hmm. and then from there you've got your calculations around how you should be doing your threshold yep. your half marathon work your marathon work you know it's it's really key to a good training program absolutely and, and it's um, it's short enough that it's fairly easy to repeat it uh, and so if you are going say through a winter run block you know maybe doing a 5k TT um, once a month it's you know as long as you keep following the same course and as long as, the we- as, long as weather conditions aren't drastically different you know don't it's do it on a treadmill no don't do it on a treadmill well in some cases you, you have to but have to but, but lots of people will kind of look that it's the easy option you know mm. what I mean they kind of that's something where you lose that negotiation um, mental conditioning without crowds and competitors oh so tough yeah I was in a world of pain with 1K to go and the option is there to give up. Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy to give up. And so practicing that ability to go, to, to, to accept that you want to give up, going, okay, I really want to give up here, but no, I'm not going to. I'm going to focus on this, this, and this. And so if you don't practice that by by doing racing, by doing time trials, when, the, when it does come to that crunch moment in an Ironman, as Bevan said earlier on, it's pretty easy to slow down or to take it a little bit easier or to give up and just walk it in. So mental conditioning is huge. And it, it, it's just practice makes per- it doesn't, practice doesn't make perfect, but it's going to make it a little bit easier if you've been to that moment a few more times. Well, one of the questions you, you'd often get, and I'm sure you get this a lot, is, is mental toughness something that's in you or is it something you develop? And I think maybe it's for some people it is in them, um, but generally so, speaking it is something you can develop a lot of. And these types of sessions teach you a mental toughness like mm. I remember when I when I was a young man one of the best things that happened to me when I first got into fitness is I used a guy at the gym called Warren Finn who was this personal trainer who was like New Zealand bodybuilding champ and he would just destroy me you mm. know and he just taught me a mental toughness you know mm. and it, in many ways it's kind of guided my life really and unless for exercise because I really like that mental fight and uh that kind of foundation of man, this is going to be really hard. But also, not just it's going to be hard, but learning how to cope with it. Mm. Um, and not just learning how to cope with it in success, learning how to deal with it when you aren't successful. Mm-hmm. So when you have that bad day, to not emotionally let that take you off course mm. and you know keep you focused. And so all those little tricks and skills you learn around the mental game is actually a really important part of success as an athlete. And then finally, you obviously get some physiological adaptations. Um, so, you know, in terms of... You know, 5K to an Ironman run, it's probably a little bit more on the mental side of things. But if you are, say, training for a half marathon or a marathon, doing some 5Ks are really going to help you a lot in that last uh, 10Ks. So you're going to get some, uh, you know, you're going to get some mental gains, but you're also going to get some physiological gains in terms of developing some strength in your legs. Um, obviously, you've got to be fresh enough to go out there and put out a good 
good time trial. So if you are going to be doing you know, either a bike or a run, you do need to make sure that, that you know you have a day or two easier before and obviously not scheduling anything too nutso straight afterwards as well. So if you're working on a sort of a periodization cycle, I tend to put athletes' TTs um, in an easier week. So if they're working on like a four-week cycle yeah, where they're doing three weeks of easier, uh, three, three weeks of solid training, and then the fourth week somewhere in that the tail end of that week will be where they do a TT. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a painful experience, and uh, but something I do look forward to, but also shit myself when I have to go and do them. And, and let's also say it's one of the most rewarding sessions you'll do. Mm. You know, like when you do, especially when you have a good one, mm. man, you walk off that feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you feel absolutely awesome if you have, like I, again, the last two that I remember, my second one wasn't so good. But I, was, I still pushed through, so I was kind of proud of myself. But my first one, I just smashed it. And you're just, you know, you're in that place where you just feel really proud of yourself. And you're kind of, you, you know, there's something to that that's really rewarding. So uh, if you aren't doing it, get onto it. That's, that's tip number six. Excellent. Let's put that one in there, John. Have a pause there, Bevan. I've okay. just got to check out. The, if we are going to do wearing of the Week, I've got to check out the stats correct because somebody has gone nutso if the, if the stats are correct. Okay, let's have a look. Wanger of the Week. Okay, John, but what, what, you, John has been. <laughs> I've, I've, I've come, I was kind of looking at the internet while he was doing this, but all he was, whoa, fire up, no, crazy, no, bang, whoa, what's happening here? So, so Wanger of the Week uh, this week is Jenny Welsh. And the reason I needed to check it out was because she did 45 hours and 15 minutes of training last week, not training slash racing, uh, from two activities. So I thought, that, that can't be correct. Uh, and it looks like it was because she did an event called the UTMB, which is uh, I'm not sure what quite what it stands for. It stands for Mont Tremblant at the end, uh, not Mont Tremblant, Mont Blanc. So it's a it's a trail run around uh, Mont Blanc, and they go over all sorts of bloody passes. They had uh, 2,561 starters, 1,779 finishes, 782 did not finishes. The winner went 20 hours and 44 minutes. <sighs> Holy smokes, that's wow. a long way to be running. It really is. It's pretty impressive stuff. So, that's a... What's a, her name again? Jenny Welsh. Jenny you Welsh, you're a legend. You're a wanger, wanger of, the, of week. the week. You dominated by the dojo this week, I tell you. Yeah. Um, John, let's talk about our sponsor. We're going to talk about X Endurance, and I think we're going to talk about Joint Four today. We are indeed. So, four fast-acting... Uh, natural ingredients for joint health. Joint 4 is scientifically based to formula of four proven ingredients, glucosamine and chondritin that support joint synovial fluid, cartilage and connective tissue and boswellia and MSM provide anti-inflammatory properties. This unique formula has been helping to reduce discomfort in joints for 20 years. So if you want to provide some relief from joint discomfort, you want to support your joint structure and tissues, uh, it's all natural ingredients and uh, get on it people. So if you're those muscles, those Joints are getting sore. It's only thirty three ninety five to check it out and see if it uh, works for you. Remember the promo code IMTALK20. Get 20% discount off and uh, just make your well-being feel a little bit more comfortable. Especially the ageing athlete. Mm, you know, let's be honest, your joints get a bit tired. Exactly. You know, And maybe it's a bit of a preventative thing as well. You know, maybe not in their 20s or something like that, but if you kind of hit your early 40s. Like admittedly, my joints aren't too bad. How are yours? 
They're okay at this stage. Yeah, but we want longevity, so maybe it's something like that to actually help with a bit of kind of prevention in the long term. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember, if you're in the States, any order over $100 is free shipping. And if you're an app out of the world, you can even contact John because he does a bit of a bit on the side of this one as well. So check it out, xendurance.com. Uh, Jumbo questions, questions and answers. answers. Okay, so Be- I, I did Investigative my reporter Bevan is on the case again. Yep, so I went back to good old my mates at IMM. And I said, what's happening with, um, so last week we had the question around the qualification for the legacy. So for people who have done 12 IMN, at this stage, can they do a 51.50 and a 70.3 in an IMN as an option to validate once they've done their 12? In the past, it was, you basically had to keep active the whole time in terms of doing IMN every year to keep keep your sort of ticket validated. John, I've got the scoop here. And I don't even know if they they don't know who I am, but I've got the scoop because i got, thank you for your inquiry. It's from Mike and he was very friendly. I might go back to Mike. What was the question I was going to ask this week about Kona slots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I'll go back to Mike, my mate Mike. And, uh, so I'm an aspiring pro athlete. I'm an aspiring uh, pro athlete. I was, a, I was a has-been who never made it. Um, <laughs> this information has not yet been published, but once you have entered the legacy program and completed 12 full-distance Ironman races you will be given a specific year to compete and you will be guaranteed for that year every year including the year that you are stated for to race in Kona you will need to retain your eligibility to maintain your eligibility as an existing applicant athletes must compete in at least one of the following Ironman branded event races each calendar year an Ironman a full Ironman a 70.3 or a 51.50 so basically if you live in the neighborhood of 51.50 you've scored pretty great isn't it (laughs) well it's it's pretty good. And, and, and what I love about it is they actually tell you which year. Hmm. So, you know, they might say it's not going to be 2121, but at least you know it's going to be then, and here's what you need to do. And now, admittedly, there's not that many 5150s around. No. Um, and depending on where in your world, that's better. But to me, even 70.3 is doable every year. If, hmm. if, you, if you've done 12 Ironman, to pop out a 70.3 every mm-hmm. year, you know, even just all get in and turn up and do one so good on them I think it's a good move isn't it I, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about this one yep so I'll go back to Mike my mate Mike at Ironman and I'll say Mike what's happening with the, the pro slots in Kona post Kona yeah. he'll come back to me next week got an email in from Andrew as well uh, and he was sort of giving us a um, bit of feedback he said he wasn't uh, happy with us was he well he said sorry guys I need to call you up on some coverage that you had uh, got wrong slash missed in his opinion an important aspect of the latest in episode his opinion <laughs> <laughs> Matt Russell. Unfortunately, Matt Russell had, was outperformed in the KPR ranking sense and didn't make the cut. There were 15 women who ranked higher in the world who also didn't make the cut and aren't going to Kona because there isn't enough room on the pier. Uh, it is therefore absolute bollocks for him to be given a slot. It's a business slash PR decision to get some good press slash media for WTC. It uh, wrinkles that you criticise Embram for inequality in prize purse, and we do criticise them because it is unequal and it's not fair, and let this slide. I also found it somewhat double standard to criticise Ventum slots, uh, a similar business slash PR decision, and to use 50 women to Kona in that context, but not when a man who didn't qualify is getting preferential treatment to 15 women who performed better and didn't qualify. Are you really ready to put gloves on, John? Sorry? Are you getting ready to put the gloves on? No, you respectfully, I'm going to respectfully disagree. On the, So what happened to Matt was awful and tragic, but he's a sob story and better placed woman should uh, be should not be shut out. From wh- where I sit, Messick has um, not taken massive shit um, over, you know, over this whole 
50 women to Kona. Rant over, I love the show, but decided to flag this alternative viewpoint to the Matt Russell situation to you both because I think you are the kind of guys that like to hear other people's points of view, and I do, and I respect your opinion, Andrew. <laughs> um, and I think it's a good point, you know, but I do think it's two completely separate issues for, well, for I, me personally. Because I, 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 I can have to be defensive, and so I tried not to be defensive. I said fair point when I responded to him. I think the thing is, is that I think one thing that, our audience should understand is that we're pretty clear that we think 54 women is is the right thing. And I'll be clear that I changed my opinion on this. Yeah, <laughs> because initially, you were a sexist pig. Yeah, yeah. but because <laughs> but, um, on a pro rata system, they shouldn't get as many slots, but I think as Torsten has shown, the strength of the females is as strong as the males. Um, and so I do agree now that there should be 50 women, but my opinion is this is a separate issue. And if the same incident happened to a female athlete that happened to Matt Russell, I would hope and expect that they would also oh, get a, get and a you, slot. And they would. And they would. Yeah. Um, so I think this is com- two completely separate issues for me. Is I still support the 50 woman Kona, but at the same time... Um, I, just felt, I actually felt Andrew was being a little bit unfair on us because the thing was... To me, it's like the foundation of what we're doing is we think 50 women is right. Hmm. Or even as I was saying a couple weeks ago, drop it down to 35 men, which I don't think is right either, but I think there should be equality in the number of people. And so when we have a conversation like this, maybe we should have gone, you know what, 50, this is good, you know, as Andrew's brought up. But we weren't saying we don't think 50 women is Mm. realistic you know what I mean like so in some ways I've felt he's been maybe a little bit hard on us because fundamentally we do think that's the the key and every time anything comes up should we always go back to 50 women then Mm. and I agree that it is um, a PR decision for them to a large degree and then the cynic in says oh they're just going to milk this for everything it's worth in terms of having Matt Russell there but I do feel that his injury occurred at that race within the race And he's gone the extra mile to try to qualify in terms of going to multiple races. So I'm I'm okay with it, but I do agree that there should be 50 women to Kona. Yeah, and that's the thing, Andrew, is that fundamentally we totally agree. And, and you know, the thing is it's died down yeah. a little bit. It, it is. You know, because Andrew did get lots of shit at the time. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> they've done a pretty good game to Ironman because they've just, they've just done the waiting game. Yeah, they really have. Yeah. You know, and it's lost its momentum because there was two or three years ago, it was all the talk and everyone was jumping on board and... Um, and it's really just gone in the back, really, mm. and um, it's not justifiable. Um, so I think everyone should know that fundamentally John and I do think that should be the case, and maybe we don't bring it up every time something like this is mentioned. Mm. But the other thing I will say is I think it's okay for WTC to do things that are good for their PR. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think Matt Russell is a good PR story. I know it does add another pro to the race, and that's a bit of a, that is a bit of a funny one, but it's a bit of a pretty big outlier mm-hmm. you know it's it's not know. like it happens every year no and as John said it happened in the race and go look at that scar mm. like pff, this guy deserves anything at least to turn up this year this last one's a good one from Duncan Penfold over the over the ditch um, just a f- FYI from the from Oz out of competition drug testing so we discussed oh, this a, a few weeks ago is you know yeah, they're busting the odd age group here or there in terms of in-competition testing. And we kind of said it's a bit of a load of shit, really, in terms of the, the, the real cheats are going to cheat out of competition and be clean by the time they actually get to race day. Um, but this is from um, Australian uh, so Asada. You know, you've heard of, all have heard of USADA, so the Australian version of that. Triathlon 
Australia will request ASADA to include up to eight age group athletes in triathlon's domestic testing pool. These athletes will be informed by ASADA of their inclusion into the uh, in the DTP, the, the drug testing pool. Uh, triathlon Australia will provide residential details of the age groupers to ASADA. Triathlon Australia will pay for up to eight out of competition blood tests on age group athletes included in the DTP. TP each year. Triathlon Australia will also request uh, an OCC, uh, so it's out of competition test, uh, be conducted on any age group athlete for whom there is information which indicates that the athlete may be of risk, may be at risk of engaging in doping activities. So that's pretty cool. How do they choose the age? It doesn't specify that. So there must be people that are suspicious of. Well, it could it could be. Uh, depends. Or I don't know whether it's yeah. It depends if it's random or not. And I, I'm not sure if I read this correctly or not. But if you're informed you're one of the eight, then you kind of know. Okay, I might be tested. But if you're not one of the eight, you're going. I'm scot free. Yeah. And so how, how how far before they inform you? Mm, um. So my opinion on this is, I think it's fantastic that they're taking initiative here. But kind of think that if you make say an age group. ITU age group world team or you qualify for Kona um, or maybe 70.3 champs that you're automatically put in that pool and you're on notice as of then and, uh, and, and what it can be any eight at any time yeah because if you know you're one of the eight yeah totally or if, and if you know you're not one of the eight then you've got away with yeah, it yeah you, you want to do that thing of like with my daughter I used to say one of the best parenting tricks I did with my daughter is I'd say there's consequences for what you're doing and you know what they are yeah, she. I don't know what I was going to do. It just worked really well because in her mind she thought of the worst thing, and it's that whole thing of what you do is you, um, you make it broad enough that anyone thinks it could be them. You mm. know what I mean? And it's what you're kind of saying there. If you make an age group team, you could be in the eight, um, and then we can turn up at any time and ask for. Or the only problem is then if you are one of the eight, do you have to do what you would if you started like give your times and stuff like that? That's where it starts to get a bit tricky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. It is a bit, yeah. I love it. I think it's important, you know, because some of the sub talks we've been having recently around age group is cheating with drugs, and it seems to be more prevalent in the sport, at least anecdotally. Um, but yeah, how do you place it? Good, anyway. on Australia, good on Australia for doing it. Good on Australia. Because there's a cost, and hopefully this is, could be a trend that we see more of in the sport. So what well am uh, John Patrons. Okay, we've got Volker Voigt as our new patron this week. Oh, I thought the vascular Volk- uh, Viking. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> the vascular Viking. Yeah, because okay. four Vs. Volk. Okay. Uh, was, what was it? Well, the quad, Volker, the, the, the vascular quad. Viking, Volk. Wow. Vascular Viking. Is I it Voigt or Volk? King of Kings. Oh. I just like all the Vs. The okay. vascular Viking. Because athletes, let's be honest, if he's qualified for Kona, he's pretty vascular because most, yeah. you know, they're kind of lean machines. And the Viking works with the Vs. Yeah. The vascular Viking. Nice. Yeah. And also those veins just pumping, yeah. pumping his fuel of blood to get him to Kona, get to the start line. And also so hide the boys when he's there. We've got to decide if we're going to do the, uh, the wetsuit aquathon this year, Bevan. <gasps> Can't say I'm that keen, but we kind of got to keep up with tradition if there's a few starters. Okay, let's do it. The only problem is you got to take your bloody wetsuit the whole way. You do. I might. I might have bought my wetsuit this year. Blue oh, that's my my energy. You got to do it. It's a good wetsuit for over there. So it only gets used once every two years when I do the wetsuit equathon. Yeah. 
did, Blue 70 didn't mention they might give me a, 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 a one at one stage, and I never really took them up on that. So maybe I need to get a new wetsuit. Okay. Because last time I should have won. Because oh, was it Paul? Paul House. Paul House. Pulled up early. It's not yeah. my fault he didn't know where the finish line was. There's, there was a fence in front of him. Well, no, your course. <laughs> <laughs> Racing 101, no, your course. But I was a humble soul. You know, I let it go. Um, I have to get the trophy off Paul. If he's still got it, I can't remember. The pineapple trophy. Yeah. yeah that we bought from the ABC. Yeah. You yeah. can put his name on it. Who have been the winners? Myself. Um, I think Arnold, Fish, Dave Fish. Dave Fish, yeah. Did Arnold win as well? No, I think he was wearing a spring suit. I think he did his first over, but I think he was wearing a spring suit. Yeah, Dave Fish. And then Paul. Yeah. That might be it. Yeah, I've not taken no. tasted victory yet. No, you got smashed by me that first mm. year. Remember, I just ran away from you. <laughs> you it was a transition. Nice. It was a transition. Yeah, yeah. We came into war together. So you transitioned away from me. A transition, me. but I just put the pedal down. It's yeah. broken mentally. He hadn't done a 5K time draw recently. It's been weak. Okay, so if you want to become a patron of so And Volker was also bloody, now that I'm on uh, training. Um, the Vascular Viking. He was second in the longest activity with a 10 hour 16 this week on uh, Strava. Good work. Well done, Actually, Bevan, the other thing on Strava. Go on then. Because last week we left here, uh, left. Um, you did the. Bevan's oh, you place. did the repeat. Did and you go I, down there, did you? And I, and I said, Bevan, I'm just just out of interest. I'm going to ride to the bottom of your street and back to the top. Bevan lives off this tiny side street off one of the main climbs in Christchurch. Most people wouldn't even know it's here. No. Know so you went down to the you went down to the roundabout. Went down to the bottom, and I thought, I wonder if people have been on this uh, street. Hey, don't tell start. people. I don't want people doing hill repeats on my street. <laughs> and they have. I'll, I'll have to find. Uh, I so wait. So where'd you go to? Did you go right to the top of the street, or did you just go that lane? I went to the top. Uh, went to top, and I thought, I wonder if anybody's created a Strava segment down here. Oh, and they okay. have. And where are you on the segment it. finder? I didn't push it. I think I was tenth oh, or twelfth or something like that. So Strava, and how 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 steep is it, or how how long does it take? Oh, you, you tell us about something, Bevan. Oh, John, I don't know. Um, the Warriors go to Vodafone Warriors. Yeah. They made the top eight. They're playing the Panthers this weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. Although we have got a function that I'm going to, and I'm, uh, I love, I love, it's a good function for a good friend. But so the segment's oh, 0. 0.4 of a kilometre long at an average of 10 percent. But it's flattened out at the top. I yes. wonder if you just went to that lane, what it would be. I'm ranked 14th with a two minute 32, and yeah, that that does not go all the way to the top, uh, and. One minute twenty is the quickest time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Who was that by? Daniel Larson. Mm. I have to get the old AD, ASADA to check him out. <laughs> the, the Australian Drug Administrator. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you did it. I'll just see if I can tell people how steep it was at the steepest point because I've got that on my training peaks. Okay. Well, while we're here, I'll talk about sponsors. Sponsors are extremeendurance.com. You check them out for all your great supplements. Uh, our patrons, if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. It's all very clear on the page. You become a patron supporting us and what we do. But also, you got a chance to win a trip to Kona every couple of years. And depending on your level of gifting, you can get a bit of a gift back from us as well. And also, you just support us and what we do. And that's kind of cool. If you want to email us you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com also um, what you can do is you can subscribe to our podcast each week when the show comes out I just send an email and you can get an email directly to you John what's what's it okay so oh, surely it's more than that surely it's more than that yeah surely, surely. 23% I think 
Uh, the middle section, 48 seconds long, uh, average grade of 11.2%. I'd say it gets a little bit steeper than that. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Just in that little bend there, eh? Yeah, that little bend. Just, just there, that yeah, one. That one. That yeah, one. Right there. Right there. <laughs> yep. Okay, John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Uh, we had the latest round of the JD Duathlon yeah, Sam took the it weekend. Out. Do you know Sam, do you? Yeah, he's my running group. Okay. Yeah. Yep, he took it out. Some good close racing. All the people are heading off to ITU Was Worlds. he a bit of an unknown? Um... I've known the name. I don't. Uh, yep. But yeah, no, it was close racing across the board. There was lots of good close racing. Gina Crawford was back out there. Her son was doing it, um, and she was she was racing. I don't. I don't. No disrespect to her, but I don't think she's been doing probably that much. I'm not quite sure, but she was sort of had a little bit when of a sprint finish with uh, with Gail Harvey Haywood. She was oh, a couple nice. of seconds in front of her. Uh, so it was good racing, and I've just got these fantastic picks at the start. Um, and so the, we, we start the kids separately. So when I talk kids, it's like 10 to 12-year-olds. And there's a picture of them, and there's about three or four of them taking off and just got this amazing running technique. And luckily one of them's Thomas, but they're obviously going pretty hard at the start. This beautiful knee drive. Is it drive. on your Facebook? Uh, yep. Beautiful knee drive, just big extension through the back leg, off the ground. And then the, the next picture is the, 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 back, the tail end of the uh, age group star. <laughs> <laughs> and the people have hardly got their feet off the ground. There's no knee extension. Uh, Wait, is this on your Facebook page? No, it's on the JD Duathlon one. JD. Uh, so that was good times. Uh, and then thankfully we had it on Sunday because yesterday the weather in Christchurch was diabolical. Really Winter was. Uh, returned and it was horrific. So this weekend, Blinders off to pink, so I've got to do a bit of child caring. Hopefully, oh, in Auckland. Yeah, hopefully uh. bang out uh, Governor's Bay to... Governor's Bay 10k race this weekend which is 10k's up and down and then I get to shift to a bike focus which I'm quite looking forward to and I will say last week when we were podcasting from here um, we had a picture of a magpie dive bombing yeah. somewhere in Australia and they, they had it on the, the GoPro sort of the rear view um, picture of this magpie coming at them and I said at the time yeah magpies don't start attacking until, uh, until sort of September time once it starts to warm up went out and did a little bike ride after the race <laughs> Got down to the end of where I hold this duathlon. Boom! Bagpipe starts whacking into oh, me. Oh, no, it's nothing oh, worse. I wasn't expecting that. That's the problem. You don't expect it. Yeah. Come out of nowhere. They smash your head. So he did. He got me several times pretty good. Outside of that, Bevan. Um, You're not going to pink? I am not going to pink. Do you no. know I'm getting old, John? Do you know how I know I'm getting old? Because you're getting grey hairs? Oh, not yet. It's starting mm-hmm. to recede a little bit, but not grey hair. But um, instead of going to pink, John, guess who I'm going to? Um, a movie No, Phil Collins Oh, right Yeah, I'm going Phil Collins Which I'm pretty happy about But mm-hmm. let's be honest It shows your age a little bit mm. You know Pink's kind of it right now Yeah um, Phil Collins um, I can feel it Calling in the air tonight You, you can't tell You've told oh. the story about that one Well, I don't know I don't think it's true Okay Yeah, if you go on Snoops And you look it's it up I don't think it's, Yeah, yeah Right The guy killed someone And he brought him to his concert story Yeah, yeah I don't know if that's entirely true Right um, what's that, What other goss you got? Uh, watching the Roman Empire on Netflix at the moment You Ooh. watched that? No, I haven't watched it Highly recommend it Really? Really good Yeah We're watching Band of Brothers Alright Have yeah. you seen Band of Brothers? No, I think I started watching it once But yeah, Roman Empire's good Okay Well, well after Band of Brothers mm-hmm. I'll check out Roman Empire, mm. John. We've got we've got the sound sorted out in here. Oh wow! I tell you what, if you yeah. want, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we've got the big screen in our new lounge, guys. It's a big drop down screen, and we've got the sound going. And the old subwoofer over there. Tell you yeah. what, the subwoofer makes a big difference. <laughs> oh my god! 
yeah. yeah. So this when you when you toy Sunday afternoon, we'd had a massive day on Saturday because we did a half marathon for our runners, uh, and then function at night. So you know it's like on those days. Mm-hmm. So Sunday afternoon, lay on that couch about six hours, nice. <laughs> movies and TV, and it's like, I don't do that often. Do you do that often? Not a great deal. No, and, and, and uh, to be honest, I don't want to do that often, but occasionally, mm-hmm. just to blob out and just chill out, watch a movie, it was, it was pretty cool stuff. Any other goss? Any other goss? No, that's about it, really. That's about it. Will you watch the All Blacks or the Warriors? That's the big Warriors. question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, look at that. You're a leaggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a leaggy. Mm-hmm. Only mm-hmm. the RGs. If it was the All Blacks versus South Africa, who would you watch? I'd probably still watch the Warriors because it's that unknown yeah, at the moment. Yeah, they're going to win, aren't they? Yeah, it's that unknown. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the unknown. Tell you what, did you watch the All Black game a couple of weeks ago? I think I did. Against yeah. Australia, where Broden Barrett got four tries. Yes. It was just the, you, many of our listeners won't know about this, but the All Blacks are, 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 are well, arguably one of the greatest teams in sport in the world right now. They have like a ninety percent winning rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played Australia, and admittedly, Australian rugby, unfortunately, is just a bit poor right now. Um, they've got lots of kind of issues and money problems, and it's a pro- it's actually a problem for New Zealand rugby, I think, because we want Australia to be strong because mm-hmm. it makes us better. But um, Broden Barrett is our first plus five, which is a, a very pivotal role in rugby, mm-hmm. uh, and the guy is a freak. And he had this game the other week where he got four tries, which, which is like four touchdowns or four goals. Mm-hmm. Think of gridiron or soccer, and there's just a moment when he scores his fourth fourth try. And he comes up and you just see pure sports joy. Mm. You know, you just see, it was just a really, to me, it was just kind of what sports is all about is that moment when you've just, something really special happens and just the emotion on his face and his teammates. Mm. And it was like, you know, we sports is so hard, isn't it? You know, all sports, you know, and but there's those moments you have where it all comes together and you just experience kind of ultimate joy. And to me, that moment, just when he got up after that try, you see his face, you, you can't see a bit of happiness, can you? Yeah, well, I kind of got that feeling from the 70.3 at the weekend as well. You could tell that they were stoked that they won. You see people win and, and they're pretty pumped. But yeah. you knew with like Frodo, I've beaten Brownlee and Gomez. Yeah, and he was hurting. As, even in yeah. the last few cases, he was hurting, wasn't yeah. he? So that was cool. And, and likewise, Daniela Reef. so many of her victories are just crushing and she'll be really proud of how she's raced and raced really hard, but she knew she had to, to fight for it. So I think they were very satisfied. Yeah, and, and you know, like a sport, that's why I always don't understand the cheat because mm. sport has so much to offer to life and the cheat just kind of ruins it for themselves. But anyway. Let's not go there, John. Let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm in up. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.